Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and how it directs us. We thank you for your mercy upon us, the grace that you show us. And Lord, we pray that as we open up your word this morning and study it, that Lord, that those truths would be all the more real and true to us this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to be reading verses 7 through 12 this morning. So Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 12. <clears throat> if you're looking for that inside of your pew Bibles, we be found on page 685, again, Matthew chapter 7, 7 through 12. And we're going back a little bit for this, but... I'm going to go over these passages again. So Matthew 7, 7 through 12, 685 in your few Bibles. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. <clears throat> so we're going to be talking about God today as the good giver. And I thought it was necessary to kind of circle back to these verses. I know that we went over them a little bit last week as it related to the plank in the eye, but now we're going to be talking about them as it relates specifically to ask, seek, and knock. And why is that? Because last week we applied it directly to the plank in the eye within that context, but the idea of ask, seek, and knock is also a generalized principle that Jesus was applying to that situation. And so we can draw more out of this principle than what the direct application even had. And so I think that what Jesus is teaching us here is about the nature and the character of God throughout the Sermon on the Mount. And he's really teaching us a lot about the love that God has for us. So what was it that Jesus was communicating about God in Matthew 7, 7 through 12? Let's read it again. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. So I remember some time ago, when I was going through a drive-through through a fast food restaurant that I happened to be going through the menu. I wanted to find out what I wanted to drink with my meal, and I came across a long-forgotten uh, item on the menu in their beverage menu uh, that they had gotten rid of a long time ago, and uh, there it was, and it was high C. And I was so excited that after I ordered my meal, I added a high C onto it. I waited with eager anticipation to receive my meal, and once I got it, I got my drink as well, and I took a sip, and it turned out there was something wrong. It took me a few sips to figure out exactly what was going on, but when I was done sipping it, 
It wasn't high C at all. It was iced tea. <laughs> See what happened there. As I was driving through, they probably got used to not hearing the words high C and thought, oh, he wants iced tea. <laughs> Another time, we had ordered a, and this is a different place, chicken sandwich uh, with just cheese and pickles. And when the sandwich was delivered, what'd they do? Well, they had lettuce, tomato, cheese, and pickles. So this thing was absolutely contaminated, had to be condemned, and thrown out because it was no good anymore under those circumstances. <laughs> or how about this one? We ordered a grilled cheese sandwich from a restaurant. And then when we got our order, what they gave us was grilled chicken tenders. Totally, totally different there. I get it. The buttons probably look similar or something. Uh, and it's not really that big of a deal. But don't you just wish we would never get things wrong? Don't you wish that everyone would get a clue and see that our needs are really important? Now, it'd be easy to transition this message into saying that, well, God never gets it wrong. And he always gives us what we ask for. Is that true? Well, God never gets it wrong, first of all. He never gets it wrong. In our perception, we might think that he does, but God never gets it wrong. But years and years back, before I was here at Faith Presbyterian, I had an opportunity to get a job at a church. And I was really, really impressed with this church. In fact, what was cool about it is that I wasn't actually looking for this church. Somebody approached me about it. And so I was pretty excited about it. So I applied to it and I studied it. I looked at it and I saw that it checked off every single box that I was looking for and that I'd been praying about as far as churches were concerned. And I was certain that this was the opportunity being presented to me by God. Well, I was heartbroken when I didn't get it. I also knew those famous words though that are in the Lord's Prayer Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We must ask in our prayers according to the will of God. We must be in tune with him and be willing to submit to his ways and his righteousness. This is affirmed in 1 John chapter 5, 13 through 15. The apostle John wrote, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. When we consider the nature of the Sermon on the Mount, it would be shallow for us to think that what Jesus was saying here was that once you can call God your father, that all you have to do is uh, treat him like a personal genie, that God somehow becomes your own personal genie, that you fold your hands together, you bow your head, you rub the magic lamp, and poof, your wish is my command. But that's not how God works. God is not subject to anybody. Nobody commands God to do anything, and God answers to no one. He is almighty. He is above all, more wise than all, and operates in a manner that will glorify his name above all and draw men and women to him. So we need to get this idea out of our heads that we get to tell God what to do. At the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, 
Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for there is the kingdom of heaven. It does not say, blessed are the wealthy. In the Gospel of Luke, the Sermon on the Plain, Jesus said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Now, for those with wealth, this is not intended to be something discouraging, but we see that Jesus clearly was not saying that you can have any material possession that you want if only you ask. We see that that was not his focus, that was not his intention, that was not what he was trying to get across by saying to ask, seek, and knock. In fact, I think this in part is actually hearkening back to Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, where it says, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. What does this tell us? It says that God provides for those with needs. Which is a good thing, because we all have needs. Here's another question, though. Does Jesus only say to ask? Eh, he says to ask, seek, and knock. He gives us three different actions that we are to do. And each of these takes some effort on our parts. And that's not to encourage any idea that we need to have a works-based system to be near to God. But if we're honest with ourselves, we will acknowledge that even Jesus' parables take a little bit of effort to be able to grasp, to be able to understand. They require you to think. Jesus does not want simpletons as believers. Sim people that are simple, but not simpletons. He wants us to think about his teachings and to ponder on them. Likewise, it takes a effort to ask God. It takes effort to ask anyone anything. When I think back to when I was in school, I remember sitting in many classrooms where I had a question at the tip of my tongue that I wanted to ask, but I just couldn't get it out. Why? Well, because asking makes you vulnerable. It shows that you don't know something. And who knows? Maybe the teacher went over it one, two, three, four times. I remember being told, listen to me the first time that I tell you. Okay, and sometimes you get discouraged. You're like, well, I didn't get it the first time. So you're afraid to ask because you're afraid that they think you weren't listening. It makes you vulnerable to, uh, to criticism and possibly even the frustrations of others who are just like, ah, can't we just move on with this lesson and get on with the rest of it? Jesus said, if you ask, you will receive. Seek and you will find. This is a personal experience of mine on many occasions. You always know where something is until you need it, right? You always know where something is until you need it. And at that point, you lose it. For me, what that does is sends me into a frenzy of tearing the place apart until I find the thing that I'm looking for. It could take me hours to accomplish this, and that's because you find it to be worth your time worth your effort and worth your sacrifice whatever it is we deem it as being worthy well, likewise we need to place god on that pedestal and say that he is worthy he is worth our effort and our pursuit knock and the door will be opened i don't know if you've ever done this before i've ever done a program where you have to go door to door for any purposes if you have not I guarantee you it's a little bit intimidating. I don't know. Maybe there's some people with personalities that 
really don't get intimidated by that sort of work, but I find it to be a little bit intimidating. You don't know what the other side of the door holds for you. Uh, sometimes you knock on the door, they open it up just to slam it back on your face. It happens. That's part of the territory. Or maybe the person on the other side doesn't like what you're promoting, whether it's a product or a politician or even God himself. In the response, maybe they share some unkind words with you, tell you never to come back here ever again. And they request for you to leave and then, of course, slam the door in your face. Now, what's even worse is when you forget which doors that you have knocked on and which ones you haven't, and you end up back at that same place. That happens, and it is not pretty. What's God's response to ask, seek, and knock? Jesus said, you would receive, find, and the door would be opened for you. And the door won't be slammed back in your face. And why is that? Because God knows how to give good gifts to his children. We might be wicked. God is always good. He's so good that he knows that the things that sometimes we even ask for, by the way, we don't even necessarily want those. Sometimes we think that there are things that we want. Thank God for the Holy Spirit, because I think that lots of times he does uh, some correction there from time to time based on we lift up a certain concern, but it's not really what we're really concerned about, and that God in his wisdom is able to deliver in a more effective and more satisfying way when we submit ourselves to him. The Sermon on the Mount makes it clear that without God, we are empty, we are broke, there is nothing in our lives that can bring us everlasting joy outside of placing our faith in God and following his ways. So when I think of ask, seek, and knock, I think of the promise of God as it is stated in Jeremiah 29, 13. Jeremiah 29, I'm sorry, Jeremiah 29, 13. What does that say? It says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Again, it says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Jeremiah 29, 13. <clears throat> so not that long ago, and some of you may even remember this, a young man around my age came to our early morning study. And with a new face in the crowd, I decided to take it upon myself to greet him, find out who he is, see how he found out about our church, and he said he needed to talk to me about something in private. I, I thought this was great, so I went ahead and I did that. Uh, went back and spoke with him privately, and he shared his story with me, and this was his story. So he told me that the Friday before that Sunday, okay, so that we're not confused and think that this was something he was talking about in the future, but the Friday right before that Sunday, he, plan he planned on committing suicide. Life was too tough. He had suffered much. He had nothing but tattered relationships, and he decided that he was done. He planned on taking his life at midnight, at the end of that Friday evening, and had already planned out how he was going to go about doing it. Earlier on Friday, though, he decided, well, what the heck? If I'm going to commit suicide tonight, 
I might as well call out to God to see if he's there, though he probably isn't. But if he is there, that could change everything. So he prayed to God that if he was real, that God would give him a sign. And you know what? Right after that prayer, nothing. Nothing happened. No words, no sign, absolutely nothing. Well, he was done with that, so he decided to move on to the next thing on his agenda, and that was to jump onto YouTube for a little bit. But to his surprise, something popped up in his YouTube suggestions that wasn't ever there before. It was a video by a well-known Christian apologist. And this was not along the lines of the things that he normally looked at. So he was curious, decided to tap on the video and give it a watch. And at the end of the video, the man being interviewed finished with the words, if you are looking for a sign, don't give up. Well, this young man's body began to tremble at these words. Because all of a sudden, he realized, God's speaking to me right now. God is talking to me through this video. This is my sign. Next thing he did, he's he, still hands trembling, got in his car, drove down the street a little bit, and he found this place. Now, this is still Friday, so we're not here. But he spoke to a man from the Churches of God offices, and he received Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And then he was instructed to come here and to talk to me and ask me some questions. So that Sunday, uh, he did come. He spoke with me. He shared his story with me. Uh, and ultimately, I would say that what happened in summarizing all of this is he asked, he sought, he knocked, and he was found by God himself. And what better gift could a good God give? A man on the edge of his life, looking over the cliff, trying to decide whether or not to step off. And God arrives because he asked for God to reveal himself, and God did not fail. So we need to get away from our busy lives for a moment and ask ourselves, what is it that I am lacking? What is it that I'm truly Lacking, Not what I think that I want or think that I need, but what is it that I really, really do need? Is it wisdom? Discernment? What about joy? Sometimes we lack joy in our lives. We like to say that joy is something that is persistent inside the lives of believers. Sometimes you've got me fooled. Sometimes I fool myself in that regard. That sometimes we need a little bit more joy or a little bit more peace or love or hope or kindness, or patience, self-control, or maybe we just need a lot more faith. Jesus said that all we need is a mustard seed of faith to move a mountain. Maybe we need a little bit more faith. Or maybe we need to ask ourselves, do I still need Jesus Christ in my life? Have I received Jesus as my Savior? But if you haven't, if you've not received Jesus as your Lord, if you've not received him as your Savior, ask him into a relationship in your life. All you need to do, as Jesus has made it clear, is to ask and to seek and to knock. Please bow your heads with me in a word of prayer.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for your promises as we know that indeed they are true, that when we call upon your name, that you will come. Lord, that you will arrive, that you will rescue us from our trials. And we praise you, Lord, that you give us strength for each day, strength for every circumstance, and Lord, that we can trust in you, that we know that we pursue you with all of our hearts. Lord, that you will strengthen us to be able to find you, to be able to be in relationship with you. And we know we knock on that door, that you will open it. Lord, you're not going to slam it back in our face, but you're gracious and kind that you draw men and women alike to you. So, Father God, I pray that you would humble us and help us, Lord, to seek you all the more fervently, knowing, Lord, that all of your blessings come along with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.